Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. It is great to be here. And actually, today really is a day where we really want to uh, give you tools and equipment to be a person who can reach more people for Christ. How many think that's a good idea? You know, we, we just, there's certain things that we can do to help you, things that I've lived out in my life. Now, granted, I'm a pastor, and I, I preach, and I do other things, but I, there are certain things I lived out from the day, almost the day I got uh, a personal relationship with Christ, January 3rd, 1967. And from that day forward, it's been my desire, my heartfelt passion. You know, we, we really need to have passion. I'm back living in Green Bay now. I uh, got one of my good friends, Jeff Gullickson, here. Last time he visited us, I gave him that sweatshirt, didn't I, Jeff? And it's got Packers on it, you know. And I know you're in Bronco territory here, but, you know, the whole football thing, it's all, it's passion, it's momentum, right? And you get these people, they, you know, you can go over to Lambeau Field, or I'm sure your field in Denver or, or wherever. People are getting there early. They've uh, got their grills out. They're making hot dogs and bratwurst and drinking beer. Not that we do that, of course. Anyhow, the... And, you know, they have passion. They, they love the game. But you know what? I have passion for the kingdom. I think we've got something much more to cheer about, much more to shout about than 11 guys pounding on each other, chasing a funny little ball, right? And, you, you know, you, you pay well over 100 bucks to get in, and a hot dog is, uh, I think they've got a special bratwurst in Green Bay. It's 14 bucks, guaranteed to give you heart trouble. And I'm... I, and, you know, people buying that stuff, which is, I guess it's okay, but, you know, I want to see God create a passion. You know, I want to see in this next year, I want to see things get so exciting. I've been to Arrowhead, too, by the way. We were 13-0 and 0 that year, and they beat us. I hate it. It was tough. Anyhow. <laughs> but, you, but you see that passion, and why can't we bring that into the church? Uh, and this next year, you know, Pastor Jim really is believing God to light a fire in your hearts to become something you never thought you could be. And the message this morning really is to sort of program you for what we're going to do tonight. Now, I know normally you don't come back Sunday night, and, you know, that's tough. But hopefully when I, what I say this morning will give you less excitement to especially come back tonight. We're going to be dealing with the subject entitled Aware. We have a manual, and, and I, I go through it rather quickly, but you can go back. There's places to fill out. This is something to have a strategy. You know, most people have a financial strategy, a family strategy. Why not have an evangelism, how to reach people strategy? But when you start talking about this, people sort of freeze up, you know, fearful, you know, I'm not like Arnie, that's his personality, or Jim, or whatever. But the Bible says, I will make you to become fishers of men. If my 96-year-old mother was here today, she would tell you of the six kids, I was the shyest. If I had to give a speech in speech class in high school, I couldn't sleep the night before, I'd sweat. 
you know, and then I gave my life to Jesus, and I got this passion, and then he equipped me, all right? So we're going to talk about that today. And this little aware book, and I'll mention this scripture probably a bit, little bit later, but see, people think, oh, I got to go up to someone and say, do you know Jesus? Yeah, come to Life Church or you're going to hell, you know? No. <laughs> that gets you a real long way, doesn't it? Or you go to work and you put out a bunch of tracks, you know, or some of you don't know what tracks are, just little gospel messages on their desks or on their machine. I'm not talking about that. We're going to teach you how to reach your family, how to reach your neighborhood, how to reach your workplace, how to be more effective in church, and how to build a story around this subject right here. 1 Peter 3.15, listen carefully to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the hope that's in you. We have a tendency to dump it on them before they ask us. So the key to this whole thing that we're going to be doing is teaching you how to be so effective in your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, whatever you do, that they're going to ask you, what's the deal with you? What's going on? And when they ask you, you've got every right to unpack a special message to them. We'll even go over just briefly tonight how to build a five-minute response when they ask you. So this is something that we can do together. Uh, they're $10. They're out in the foyer. And I believe so strongly in this. Now, actually, if you can't come tonight, you can pick one up, and you can read through it. It'll have about 80% of what is there, but the other 20% are my personal stories and things that will help you to realize this stuff really works. I've lived it out. I've seen it happen, and God blesses. I also brought a couple other books. I've been here a lot of times. Uh, Five Keys to Reaching Your Family for Christ. Great little book. Uh, some of it is in the aware thing because that's part of the, the whole strategy of reaching your family. And then this book, The Favor Factor. Everything I do, and you know, I, my wife sometimes says, you sound like a broken record. And even in our church when I pastored for years, it always was to prepare people, engage people, to start bringing people to Christ. This morning as I was praying, I, and I'm just going to briefly, uh, to save time, I'm going to paraphrase some scriptures, okay? I've been in the ministry a long time, okay? So you can trust me that I'm going to give you scriptures, and I might paraphrase some of them so we can get through this. Uh, I did this in a church in Denver a while back. The pastor took me to the airport, and he said, you know, Arnie, everybody in America, every church person in America, it's a fairly large church, he said, needs to hear this. Because people need to understand what their role is in the kingdom. It's more than paying tithes, which you should do, by the way, because it's God's, right? You don't want to take what's God's. And you should come to church, and you should lead your family. But as I was praying this morning, and, and I've never used this uh, verse in this at all, but I'm going to incorporate it somehow. In Philippians, the second chapter, I believe it's the fifth verse, the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, right? So we have the capability as humans when we come to Christ to get a hold of the mind of Christ, right? Now you have to ask yourself, well, what's that going to do? It'll do a number of things. When I got saved, I got cleaned up. In fact, one of my friends, when I got saved, he told me that he didn't understand the church I was going to. He said, Arnie, that, that church brainwashed you. I said, you're right, Dick. I had a dirty old brain, needed a good old washing, right? <laughs> Hello. So when you get your mind reoriented, and, and some of you have done it at Young, some of you maybe recently, some of you have lived this a long time, it helps you live biblical principles. But today I got a new little nugget. And that's what I love about the Word of God. I've been doing this a long time. God really spoke to me and says, tell the people to get the mind of what Jesus came to this earth for. 
Now, all of those other things I talked about just briefly here, that's part of it. But the main thing he came for, the key to the Gospels, Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many, right? So what that means is he came to die on the cross, shed his blood so we could come to him, right? So if we get his mind, right, we should say, we're going to take that message, we're going to have it in our mind so that we can help people, right? Now, let, let's just go a little bit further here, and I think for time's sake, I don't, I'm not even going to turn there. The life of David, right? King David, remember him? Interesting character. More written t- about him in uh, the, New Testa- on the Old Testament than any other person. More scripture devoted to his life. And it was colorful. Some of the things he did would get him on the cover of the Enquirer magazine today, you know, King has a fair, gets her husband killed, blah, 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 right? But the, God, but the Bible even says he was a man after God's own heart. But let's go back to his early, early years. His dad's name was Jesse, all right? And the king had backslidden to the point where, the, where there needed to be a new king. And so uh, the prophet gets a hold of Jesse and said, Jesse, get all your boys together, and I'm going to come, have them pass before me, and God will show me who's going to be the king. Now, if you could put yourself in his shoes, that's a pretty big deal. Man, I mean, he's just a, a rancher, farmer, raising his boys. And all of a sudden, he gets this word from the key prophet of the time, I'm coming to your house. And I'm, one of your boys is going to be the king. So he comes. Jesse has all of his boys except David. And they all pass before the prophet. And he didn't feel that any of those boys that passed before him was the right one. So he says to Jesse, you got any more kids? He said, well, we got this freckled-faced young guy out taking care of the sheep. Now let me just explain something to you here, and this, you really got to get a hold of this. Jesse, David's father, didn't see the king in him. Didn't even invite him to the anointing party, right? So many of you in this room, God, all of you, God sees things in you that you don't even imagine for yourself. In fact, many of you are sitting here and say, yeah, I'd like to see people come to Christ. I'd like my family saved. I'd like to be more effective at work. I'd really like to have an effect on my neighborhood. But me, nah, I just, I don't have it in me. Humbug! You have it in you. See, God sees stuff in us that we never see in ourselves. And if this year, And really, if you could take this as a theme somehow or work it into what you're doing here, this is the year to double. This is the year to go from 1,000 people to 2,000 people or whatever it is. And I'm going to grab a hold of my part of this baby and we're going to get it done. Right? I sort of feel like Vince Lombardi now in the locker room before the first Super Bowl. We're going to go out and beat. Who did we beat? I think the Kansas City Chiefs, if I remember correct. Goodness. I'm sorry about that, number 11 over there. But anyhow... There's something about momentum. When a team gets momentum, like the Chiefs, they haven't been beaten this year. And uh, you've won every game, haven't you? Oh, that's good. You know, we should win every game as Christians. I, I, I like winning, don't you? And so how do we win? How can we teach you to win? What can we do? Back to David. So now he's anointed to be king. Dad didn't even see the king in him. And now... We move into the next chapter, chapter 17 and 18, 19, somewhere in there, 1 Samuel. And Goliath is making fun of God's people. This big heathen force of a giant, 
How many of you, and he was big. How many of you are jazz fans in here? A few of you. Mike, oh, that's good. And more than the first service. There are a bunch of people who don't like the Utah jazz in the first service, I'm telling you right now. But I'm a jazz fan, too. Anyhow, uh, he, he was so big, Goliath was, that Rudy Gobert could be a point guard. And Rudy's like seven feet something. And this guy's like eight feet something. I'm just showing you how big he was and how intimidating he was. And now he's out there. Jesse sends David down to check on his brothers who are in the service. He's too young. He sends him down, and, and he comes, and he, and he hears this giant cussing out God's people. making fun. Every morning he'd come out, send me somebody. And, and, and God's people were just chafing under it. They're frightened. The soldiers were frightened. What can we do? And then David, the boy that his dad didn't see the king in, says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I have a crazy mind. I wondered how he knew he was uncircumcised. <laughs> that leads your mind where you shouldn't go. <laughs> You're pretty sharp today, Jim. You've trained him well. So, you know, he's got his slingshot and his five stones. But a little caveat to that. I want to teach a couple other things here that impacted me about the story. First of all, Yes, David decided, but he also heard that whoever, if someone of the Israelis, or army or whatever, could kill Goliath, they wouldn't have to ever pay taxes. Now, that'd be a pretty good deal, right? You could clear all your money, right? That wouldn't be bad. That might get your attention. Maybe you wouldn't want to knock off a giant, but... And then on top of that, you get to marry one of the king's daughters. Now, in that society, there's a lot of arranged marriages and stuff. Sometimes it's not such a bad idea. I, I could pick pretty good baits for a lot of people. But anyhow, that's just free, free information there. So then the king says, wow, who, this kid's got guts. Maybe, maybe young, but he's got guts. We'll take any shot at that we can get. So he calls him into his chambers and says, hey, son, if you're going to go against this guy, you better wear my armor. So they dress him up in, in his armor. He could hardly move. Now, he, so he took it off. He said, this isn't going to work. Now, let me just tell you what I, what I really saw. And I, you know, I hate, I'm reticent to say God showed me. But I really believe there's a, a lesson here that what we did yesterday doesn't always work today. Yesterday's armor sometimes gets in the way of where we want to go today. Are you with me? Right? And so uh, it's like that. You know, we used to have evangelism classes, and we'd teach you John 3, 16, uh, Romans uh, 3 and difference in Romans 10. All that's good, good stuff to know. And we were trying to, get pe we were trying to ask people if they knew Jesus. And, and I'm, in, in some cases it worked. But this new society today, they're so relational. They're so tied into other stuff. And so I think it's the new day for us to learn how to be effective in the kingdom, right? Amen. Whoops, I just dropped the book. Let me just share with you a couple things I think it's important. First of all, God, I hope you've seen that when Jesse couldn't see something in David that God saw. Turn to someone and say, God sees something in me. Turn to someone. Tell come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell her. There you go. All right. So to just drive that home, then we need to be excited, right? We, we need to get excited. I found this quote. I can't remember where. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. Nothing great was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. We need to get excited. 
How many people know that, that you're excited about life, church? You're excited about what God has done here. I want to tell you, Pastor Jim and his wife, in their ministry time here, have done phenomenal. It was, it was a great church when Brother Smith and others were here, but God brought them in for such a time as this. Man, the, the, the amen. I tell anybody that listen to me, man, Jim has done a phenomenal job in the Salt Lake Valley. And he's, he's done great. And I mean, you come into the building now and there's new places and everything is just sharp as a tack and a great approach to everything. Amen. Plus the great ministry, which is the most important on top of that. So that's fantastic. People get excited. They want to be a part of something that's going somewhere, something that's moving, something where people are excited. I mean, I've been to Packer games. Jim and I went to the Green Bay Packer New Orleans Saints game here a few years back at Lambeau. Lambeau Field. Anyhow, we, we went, and, and man, people are cheering and shouting, and some of the, it's, uh, it's cold sometimes, and they don't wear shirts, and they write on their bodies. There's a guy that comes dressed up like, uh, like the Pope, and he calls him Pope Vince. I mean, it's crazy. And they get there early. I'm believing God, if you all get with it, you're going to have to get here early. You might even have to come early and put you up a grill out in the parking lot there, fry you some eggs and some sausage, and get excited and invite people off the streets. Come on in. And then you run in to get a seat. Ha, ha, ha. And those latecomers will have to sit in the foyer. Oh, man, how exciting that could be. But fear grips us. And I believe I want to give you tools tonight. I'm just touching. This is sort of an infomercial for tonight. Are you all right with that? All right. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. I want to read to you quickly some very sad statistics about the evangelical church in America. If you're not familiar with that terminology, the common thread in those kinds of churches are churches that believe, of course, the Bible to be the inerrant word of God, but also the fact that you personally have to give your life to Jesus Christ. You have to acknowledge your sin and ask him in, okay? Now, here's the state of what the church in America today is. The United States currently has the lowest church affiliation since records have yet have been kept in America. That's sad, isn't it? 50% of Americans have no church home. Now, I know those statistics are a little different here in Utah. It's, it's a different country. But let me just say this. To all the churches, it is. I tell people Utah is another country in the United States of America. The great mission field, though. Amen. Amen. you got to be on your toes, and we want to get you better on your toes. We want to make you like a ballet dancer for Jesus. Strong. I don't know how they do that. I get on my toes, I'd collapse, and it all break. These women are prancing around, get you on your toes. <laughs> I don't know where this stuff comes from. It just happens. <laughs> but think of this. Now, my first church, when I first pastored, was in a little town called Merrill, Wisconsin. 9,502 people, Right? And we had a big event one time when we got a McDonald's. There was no hamburger shop in that town cranking out mass grease jobs. Some of you missed that too. But I want to tell you what, the lineup to buy hamburgers at that McDonald's was unbelievable because they found there was a tremendous market share there. You know what I'm talking about? And if 50% of people across America aren't going to church and I had a business that offered a product that would hit those 50%, you should be doggone successful, right? Okay, just, just giving you stuff here. Fewer and fewer people consider themselves believers who are plugged into local churches. In other words, people come to church 
and they really don't really care much. They come maybe because their wife wants them or their husband wants them or the kids come because the parents drag them. My dad used to do that to me. He said, if you're going to eat in this house, you're going to church. And I like to eat, so I went to church. Couldn't wait till it was over. Every year, listen to this, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. They quit going. For every church plant, now a church plant, if you know that language, is someone comes to an area, like my son did. He came and started a church here from scratch, okay, city church. Uh, I went to Green Bay in 1992 and started a church from scratch. Nobody, we just had a plan and we built a church, okay? But for every church plant in America, and there are a lot of church plants going on, but for every one that starts, four churches close their doors. That is very sad. 85% of churches in America have plateaued or are shrinking. Now, there are times in the history of a church when there's things that happen, but you always got to be on track to keep moving, right? So do we have something to work on? We've talked about, I'm going to teach you how to be aware, how to, how to really grab what's going on in your surroundings. I am convinced people miss opportunities every day. People are hurting People are being diagnosed with diseases. Family members are caught in drugs. And parents don't know what to do. And I mean, it, 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 it hits every spectrum from, spectrum, from pastors to lay people, everybody. There's, there's difficulty. People in your neighborhood that are hurting and don't know what the answer is. And we're going to teach you to be aware. Let me just explain how I've, I've lived my life in that area. I could tell you a lot of stories, and we'll tell you some tonight. But one that just happened to me recently was sort of interesting. Two weeks ago, by the way, I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. Hey, not bad. <clears throat> we were two when we got married. and uh, <laughs> But uh, so along with that, a couple years ago, we had our 50th class reunion, which I wasn't able to make. But now that we're back in Green Bay, uh, the organizers of this, every year they have a, a little get-together uh, in September. So Jan and I went. It was up on the beach in a place called Door County. It's beautiful. People, I took Pastor Jim up there. People just think of Wisconsin as dairy cows, cold, and the Packers. There are some beautiful spots, believe it or not. Now, so we're there, and the waves are crashing in, and these class members show up. And I haven't seen them for a while. And I'm, I always look at how I look and how they look. And by and large, the trips around the sun have been much harder on them than me. I mean, I went and looked in the mirror just to make sure I wasn't thinking, all right? But anyhow, one of the guys came in, and he was sort of hunched over and had a baseball cap on. And, he's, and he, I heard him say from underneath his cap, I said, Arnie, you know who I am? And I, I sort of belt down to look under the bill of his hat. I said, Bob, Bob Grundon. Bob was one of my good friends. He was a great athlete, good-looking guy. But he's been troubled by sickness. Uh, a number of years ago, he had a severe car accident, was in the hospital for 13 months, and now he's facing other physical problems. And so I said, oh, Bob. And he says, you know, Arnie, I never got to tell you. I said, what's that? He said, when I had that car accident, I was pastoring Green Bay at the time, and he lived uh, a ways away. He was in a hospital in Green Bay in this big cast. And one of his friends said, hey, you got to go see Bob. I don't know if he's going to make it. I went up to the hospital. He couldn't talk. He was in a head-to-toe cast, it was, and they had stuff drilled in. And, you know, I mean, it was just a bad scene. So I couldn't communicate with him, so I, I just touched his hand. And I said, God, touch Bob. And as he, we were talking at this sort of event for our class, he said, you know, when you prayed for me, he said, some power went through me. And I didn't have time to follow up on that. 
Fast forward to a week ago. My older brother David is dying. He's had massive strokes. He, they, he's in the hospital. They were thinking about amputating a couple of his feet. His carotid arteries are all, I mean, he's very close to going to heaven. And I would go visit him in the hospital a couple, three times a week. Uh, and uh, so a particular day I drive up there. Well, at that particular hospice called St. Vincent's. It's not after Lombardi, but you would think maybe it was. Anyhow, <laughs> you guys got to be with me today here. Anyhow, <laughs> they have special parking for the men of the cloth where you can go in this parking lot, slip in a side door right by the elevator, zing up to whatever floor you got to go to. So I, I drive through this little thing, and the guys that park your car, I said, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm making a call. Okay, go over there. So I go over there. There's no places to park. So I have to pull out, swing around, go back underneath where these guys are, and I said, hey, the parking's full. Will you park my car? And they said, sure. Now i got to go into the hospital a different way. So I go down this long hall. It dead ends. Then you make a left, another left, and go up the elevator. Normally, I go in the side and up the elevator, boom, 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 but now because it's full, okay? So I'm about to make the left turn to go down to the elevator. It's admitting, and a guy in a wheelchair says, Arnie. Guess who it was? Bob Grundon. So the nurse is taking him up. He's going to have surgery the next day. And I kneel down, and, hey, Bob, man, I'll pray for you. And he says to the nurse, he says, this guy's really powerful. <laughs> so I prayed for him. Okay, I went and saw my brother. I'm driving home, and as clear as I could be here, you go back and see him tomorrow after surgery. Okay? So the next morning, Jan and I went out and had a little bite of breakfast. I said, I got to go up to the hospital, and I'll see my brother Dave, but I'll also see Bob. So I go up to Bob's room. He's in intensive care. Uh, he's had the surgery. They took a big part of his lung off. And I said, Bob, I, wa I wanted to explain to him. I didn't get a chance to tell him. I wasn't saying, oh, yeah, I am pretty powerful, man. When I pray for people, they feel stuff. I'm really cool. No, 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 no. I wanted, to, I wanted to deflate that part of it. So I sat down next to him. I said, Bob, the last two times I talked to you, you said, I've got power. I said, that's not me. That's God. That's a personal God concerned about you. And I said, and, and I'm sort of a, an anomaly to uh, my class back there because they never thought I would turn out like I've turned out. They never thought I'd write books. In fact, most of them didn't think I was smart enough. And uh, <clears throat> I just didn't fit their mold. Because, but remember, God saw something in me that people didn't see in me. So I explained that to him. I said, Bob, what you need, I know you're Catholic, but I said, I, I really, you need to accept Christ. I didn't even say, tell you this in the morning. So you know what he told me? He said, I've been thinking about killing myself. He said, I've got such bad help. He picked up his hand. He said, I've been thinking about doing this. I said, Bob, you don't want to do that. And he said, I don't want to do it. I said, you need Jesus. He said, let's do it. So I took him by the hand. We prayed the sinner's prayer. Hallelujah. But here's the deal. God arranged no parking. So I'd go around another way to intersect with him because if I had parking, I'd have went in the side door, up the elevator, and missed him. That's when you're, but I was aware, you see? So you become aware of your circumstances, and you, and you allow God to just sort of tune you up. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk tonight about a strategy. I'm not going to get into it now, but I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. I've got, a, I've got a strategy. We just moved into a new area. The guy on my left and the guy on my right, man, I'm already making dents in them. The guy on my left, his son is 40 years old. He's an emergency room doctor dying of brain cancer. His wife has some kind of disease where her organs are hardening. She's going to die. And man, I, I pray with him now. They're not saved yet. But he's going to ask me pretty soon, what's the deal with you, Arnie? And I'm all ready to unpack it. 
I prayed with my other neighbor the other day. He said, I, I can't go to heaven. They wouldn't want me there. And he had an issue against the Catholic Church when he got out of Vietnam. And I said, man, it isn't about church, Dennis. It's about knowing Jesus and asking him into your heart. You see, you're aware. He, threw, he tried to throw a curveball at me, but I was ready to catch it because I'm aware. Are you tracking with me here? So we're gonna, you, you need to have a strategy. You need to begin to pray for your neighbors. You need to begin to think of people. Maybe that, uh, I talked to a guy yesterday. He said, uh, I said, are you LDS? We were, we were talking at a, a, a place of business. He said, I'm, I'm not practicing. And it opened up the door, and he knows what I do. He's known me for a while. So I was able to, you know what I mean? This all develops when you have a strategy. I'm always thinking on how we can have a strategy. We're also going to talk briefly tonight about what's the compensation. Now, when you apply for a job, get a job, you know, you maybe give your resume or you talk about what you're able to do, right? That's all part of it. And then... One of the lines has to be, well, what's the compensation? You know, what you're going to pay me, what are the benefits, correct? Right? Now, you've got to ask yourself, if I get involved in what Pastor Arnie's talking about today, develop a strategy for my neighborhood, my family, workplace, what's in it for me? The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Right? So maybe that's what happened to me. Maybe the wisdom of God took me in a place I never thought I could be or people who knew me back in high school never thought I could go. Wisdom. He that winneth souls is wise. Plus this. How many of you are parents? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty good. Yes. And when your kids do what you want them to do, does that make you feel good? Oh, man, oh, yeah. Take out the garbage. Not now. I don't want to do it now, Dad. Get it out there. You know what I mean? Well, they're not coming till 6 tomorrow morning. It's only 8 o'clock at night. I mean, some of you might have heard that stuff before, right? <laughs> but when you have a child who will do what you want to, them to do, it's much easier for you to, you know, Dad, I, you know, I want to go out tonight with some friends, and I need 10 bucks to eat on. And he took the garbage out, cleaned his room, there. It's easier for you to appeal to tend to him than the kid that never wants to do anything, right? You know, you just want to, you know, you can't abuse him, but you'd like to. No, not really. <laughs> now, my point is this. If you're a Christian, you got a heavenly father, right? And when you do what he wants done, that's a real honor. That's compensation above anything. Pastor Jim and I were talking today. All of our kids are serving God. Now I've had a situation in my life where I've given most of our base finances away to help in church work, but I'm a rich man because my kids are serving God. Are you with me? And so if you, right, if you set an example, if you set an example, my daughter is me in a female body. She reaches people left and right. Now my son's a little different. He's a pastor. He's developing other sides of himself. He's a great uh, speaker. But the point is this, when your kids see how you live your life, there's a drawing factor there. I've been married 50 years, I'm going to close with this. And Jan, I think, most people think she's a pretty, pretty lady, right? You know, I definitely married up. In fact, her dad didn't think I was good enough for her. He said, you can do better than that. <laughs> I held that against him for a few years, but then I got over it. <laughs> and when we got married... 50 years ago, she was a virgin. 
23 years old. In Wisconsin, I didn't think there was such a thing. And I asked, <laughs> come on, can't. Okay, it's a little R-rated, but here's the deal. I said to her, I mean, she, and she's pretty. I mean, she would have been, I'm sure, and, you know, the secular boys would have been after her when she was in high school. I said, how, how did you maintain that with, you know, you know what I'm saying, I don't have to go to it. And she said, you know what, there were times maybe I was tempted, but she said, I couldn't do that great sin against my parents. Hello, are you with me? Right, this serving God and raising kids for God is worth it. And the people that you come in contact with, they don't know how to handle their kids. Maybe they're successful or maybe not, but they need help. They need life church. They need Jesus. They need you with a strategy. They need you being taught things that will get them to ask you what's the reason for the hope in you. All right, stand with me. So that's my infomercial for tonight. And we are going to have fun, Pastor. Uh, one of the ladies who lives a distance from here said, I can't drive back 45 minutes. I guess you're going to do a, a sort of a live little broadcast. And if you've got something up other than Sunday night football, you could probably get it from Jim. If you're not here, the next time I'm back, I'll slap you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How you doing there, fella? Man, you got air. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. It'll only take a minute. I didn't do this in the, in, in the first service, but I really feel I need to do it. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Throughout this room, is there anybody here today? Say, no, Pastor Arnie, man, I, I don't have Jesus in my life, and I'd like to give my life to him. Doesn't mean you're joining this church, or even if you ever have to come back, even though they'd love to have you. How many would say, you know, would you just pray a prayer right where I am? I'd like to give my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, oh, just, yes, God bless you and you. Uh, see, that was the Holy Spirit. You can take your hands down and pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And Lord, come into my life. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. And in God's power, I consider it done. Praise the Lord. Shake my hand there. Great, man, proud of you. Anyhow, here's how we're going to close real quick. And, and uh, I really believe... And it just sort of, it sort of stirred in me after talking to Pastor Jim, and he's my friend. We went to Bible college. This church has blessed me over the years. I feel an honor to come here. It's one, I just do, and I thanks, Jim, for having me. Uh, but I really believe that God, this next year, wants to do something special for this church and its leadership team, and that's to see you have unprecedented growth. And that isn't necessarily going to come from your sign or your location, which are all good, or your Internet, which is good. It's going to come from you. You know, when my daughter was in high school, she brought over 200 kids to our youth group in three years because she got a hold of this thing. She wasn't a holy Joe, but she was nice to everybody. They loved to be around her, and then she told them about Jesus. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.